0: You are listening to season one of Full Circle, a podcast hosted by Ethan Song. Hear about the founding story of today's leading athletic brands and learn about the trends that are reshaping the business of sports. This podcast is presented by Rare Circles, the all-in-one customer experience platform for retail. Welcome to Full Circle Conversations. All right, Ethan, who do we have uh, on today? Well, for episode one, we have
1: Tim and Nick West from Bandit Running, two brothers, and also the founders of the brand. You know, they started Bandit from their HQ in Brooklyn, Greenpoint, and they built an amazing following and are growing very rapidly. Amazing! I can't, I can't wait. What, what are the key takeaways
0: uh, from your chat with them?
1: So the crazy thing is, like Tim, who's a runner, started the brand a few short years ago, really a pair of socks. And like the reason why I'm saying a pair of socks is because. His goal was not to build a, a socks brand; it was to build a running brand. But that pair of socks allowed him to get started and allowed him to basically start building his community. And and basically, like how he built awareness for the brand to begin was just literally running with them with the socks in McCarran Park in Williamsburg in Brooklyn. And that's why I think that the one thing that's truly really special about Bandit is that they're really like the definition of a community based brand, and that's what they've kind of done mm-hmm. from day one, and that's how they followed. And if you look at what they're doing, it it's all about the community events, the content. And that's worked out really good for them. I actually have one of their stocks. They're absolutely amazing.
0: Uh, you want to tell us maybe a little bit more about the product?
1: Yeah, I think, I think part of the, you know, Bandon makes like running apparel advance, like running apparel. I think the, the aesthetic is really interesting and, and it's minimal. And I think a lot of people really like the style that they've created. But what's really made it even more interesting is that they design everything around these capsules that are being dropped in limited quantities. And that makes it even more exciting. And once you combine a drop... With an actual an event like a pop-up store or like an event at like let's say the Chicago Marathon, it really creates like a lot of energy, a lot of like word of mouth and that's been a big part of their success so it's almost like combining great products with like an interesting drop strategy and one thing I should say before uh, we jump in is also that the one thing we cover in the episode that's really interesting to learn from is the fact that they have this really interesting membership program and they also have these like run programs mm-hmm. and they're using them to really once again further elevate You know, the importance of your community and the product drops and the memberships are directly aligned. Amazing. All right. Well, let's jump in. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm excited.
2: Good morning. Thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks for having us.
3: Yeah. Excited to be here.
2: Yeah. I really appreciate that both of you uh, are taking the time uh, to speak with me today. And I'm a big fan of the brand, obviously. And so I really wanted to myself personally learn more uh, about the history of their brand, but I'm sure listeners will enjoy that as well. So, before we get started, why don't we cover quickly your own personal journey, um, just so we can get to know you a little bit better. And wh- whoever wants to start first, of course.
3: Awesome. You want running journey, life journey? Where, where do we want to go with this?
2: I, let's go a mix of both. Now, I, I think like life journey and when did running come into the picture? Cool.
3: Well, super early, uh, our, our dad was a triathlete, did multiple Ironman triathlons, ran the uh, New York City Marathon a bunch of times. Um, and so my brother and I were basically pushed around in strollers at races when we were like very, very young and, uh, towards the end of when he was running, my brother and I were doing the, the Lake Takanasi runs every weekend in, in, uh, Spring Lake, New Jersey. Um West Long Branch. Yeah, West Long Branch ish area. And so we kind of grew up within the sport of of running and and triathlons. Um and for me personally, running has been something that I've I've used as cross training for. I, I played soccer growing up, uh, did a lot of Muay Thai kickboxing. Um, and it was just a way for me to to cross train. More than anything, I've gotten more serious with it uh, lately as I've, I've been the CEO of this brand, but um, went to, uh, we both grew up in New Jersey, kind of in the the surf and, and skate scene, which is a, a prelude to, to kind of why we were so excited to, to start Bandit. But went to college in North Carolina um, through line of my career is, is really being an early employee Um, and or a co-founder or founder mainly in the e-commerce and consumer brand world. Um, Tim and I were both super early employees at uh, an e-commerce company called Jet.com together, Um, got bought by Walmart. We both went off and and did different things. I launched a baby food brand uh, most recently. Tim was at the FinTech app stash running growth. Um, The goal, I guess the the key piece that I really skipped over is the fact that him and I were like lemonade stand kids together. Even throughout our, our post-college careers, we have always had a side project that we've been working together either in media, um, or tech. Um, and so we've just been tinkers together our entire lives and the goal after we parted ways and and went off and did different things was to get the band back together at some point. Um, during the pandemic, I I have two daughters um, in a different life stage than Tim um, right about the time that he really uh, began joining and being a part of the New York City running community. I moved out to New Jersey um, and my like real kind of run journey started during the pandemic, but in this kind of solo endeavor, um, whereas Tim, uh, you know, joined Brooklyn Track Club and I'll tell you more about that, but but really kind of found the magic of, of the New York City run scene during the pandemic.
4: Yeah, yeah. My um, similar story to Nick, obviously grow, growing up together, being around the sport of running our whole life, I was a pretty competitive soccer player uh, playing pretty high level Division I in college um, and always using running to train for soccer. Um, right after college, came to New York, kind of hung up the boots, didn't feel like being super competitive in a team environment, really wanted to be competitive with myself and got into the ultra marathon distance, like loved the mental side of it. Um, And yeah, shortly thereafter joined Brooklyn Track Club, fell in love with the running community. And uh, then ultimately that entrepreneurial spirit kicked in when kind of decided this is, has all the makings for something that I would love to, you know, build a brand around.
2: Yeah. And, and it's super interesting. I definitely want to talk about how, like how all of this kind of like led to the creation of Bendit, but the running club thing, I feel like it's a big thing that's happened in the last few years, right? I I think they were always around, so it's not new of course, but they've played a, they've become a lot more important. A lot lot of running clubs became kind of their own brands. You know, some of them have like thousands of members now. Like, what what did you guys observe? Like, even if your own participation in some of those clubs?
4: I thought it was just really cool when I first found out about it. Our dad was in Shore AC, which is like legendary club in Jersey. Um, and we would always hear, you know, the stories of post-race celebrations and long miles with friends and stuff like that. And I thought it was always epic. And then I started to see. Uh, on Instagram, different clubs with different aesthetics and different takes on their culture and community and all over the world from Copenhagen to LA to New York. And I just was enamored with it. I thought it was really cool. I loved how there were so many different flavors of clubs. Um, there's hobby joggers, there's serious clubs, there's small tight knit training squads. Um, and I just love to see what they stand for and and how they're approaching the sport.
2: Yeah. It's almost like a a new form of social club to a certain extent that has like no gate of entry. Um, Especially if you get into a city is, you know, I think for, for those that haven't joined a club, it's the best way to make friends. You go, you go for a few runs, you know, after a few weeks, you have a bunch of friends.
4: It's really as easy as that. Um, That's one of the great things about run clubs and, You know, Nick and I did grow up doing a little bit of jujitsu and martial arts. And one of the things that we always loved about that sport in particular is that you could show up kind of at any dojo around the world. And if you want to roll, like you can roll and you can jump in um, and it's there's a handshake and you know what's going on and it's culturally appreciated um, just around the world. So um, running has that same kind of welcoming element to it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if we go back to, you know, you guys' story, you were both working at different jobs. And at some point, you were like, okay, like, let's put the band back together and this is it. Like, how how was that moment? How did that happen?
3: I do remember Tim calling me when, a co- probably a couple weeks after he joined Brooklyn Track Club and he started discussing with me how how similar it was to, like, these, like, the skate and surf culture that we grew up with there's like a connectedness to it um there's a diversity to it and during the pandemic we were both really you know we were kind of in between side projects together and you know he just was telling me how special it was and and you know it's best when you can be building something alongside your passion and that was the initial spark it it really Bandit's not like a business school white space case study. It's really like, this is a really special ecosystem. Um, We want to build something for ourselves and be a part of this. Um, And as we got to know the sport better, we just really identified how many aspects of the runner's journey could be elevated and refreshed and, and um, just have new things brought to them. So as Tim got deeper into the sport and then he kind of pulled me in and I, I better understood it. It was like, wow, there's really an opportunity here to to create something special. And the interconnectedness of the club and crew scene, like New York city being the global hub of run culture, not necessarily like the hotbed of elite culture and seeing how that has proliferated around globally felt like this, like very powerful thing that, that we could do something within and more importantly for
4: yeah, no, nothing to add there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's super interesting. I, I, I do think you hit on something that's really interesting because I, I often meet entrepreneurs that, like, you know, they they read articles or on LinkedIn, they're looking for an opportunity to start a business, and starting from something you already love is is always more powerful because like, there's no there's no TAM or whatever that you're defining as to what that thing is, right? You're doing because it it's fun to do and you're you're interested in it. So I think I, I run. No, don't get me wrong. I think running is sp- special as a space you know i don't think every business has that um but it's interesting that's where you guys started so like how did you go about defining what the brand should stand for or even what should be the first product from that point on
4: for me it was sort of a light bulb moment you know after i pretty consciously made the decision this is a place that i'm very passionate about and want to do something with and i have friends that were supporting me um I was, you know, kind of thinking what would that product be or what would the brand be. And it could be any it could be anything, you know, coming from a tech background, it's everything from heart monitors and, and wearables to uh, what ended up being just a pair of socks. Um, and it started with socks because Nick and I have a deep belief that if you start with one product. And that product is so good that it builds trust um, with the community. Uh, it's really a Trojan horse for something a lot bigger, ultimately. And so, running apparel or, or running socks in particular, uh, there was just no household name around running socks that also um, were uh, put put you know just as big of an emphasis on form as much as function. And so um, it checked a lot of boxes that make for a good D2C starter company. So, uh, you know, low order minimums, uh, decently high margins. It's like a consumable almost. So you're going to get a a solid repeat rate. Um, It's light and easy to ship. And uh, it kind of just clicked in my head. This would be a great this would be a great product. Most importantly, it didn't, it didn't exist. Um, you know, there's other brands that really are household names for a category item. Um, and for, for like really stylish, cool running socks, just seems like a great place to start.
3: Pl- plus the fact that there's a necessity function to it where Tim self-funded bandit, uh, a couple years out of college. So not, not like a, a deep well of reserves to tap. Yeah. from. And- so um, you know when it's self-funded, you need to be really strategic, and the low minimums piece, and the the low costs, and then obviously all of the other functions of a sock are very advantageous to getting it out into the world without a high cost structure. But it was like, it was definitely strategy meets necessity. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah, that that makes sense. And like, so did you start selling it online directly at that point in time, or were you just kind of like doing it? Like, did you already know it was a brand basically, or were you just doing casually?
4: Well, I knew I had a name, and yeah. whenever I start anything, um, like in, a, in our past, the the palette has always been black and white for the most part. Keep it really simple, simple name, uh, simple branding. and And so it was it was a very uh, pure and fundamental brand in the very beginning. Um, and when I got the first batch of socks, I I think I put them I put them up on the site, but I was running in Brooklyn Track Club, and I I promised, which is this is going to sound counterintuitive, but I kind of promised myself I would never talk about it uh, unless somebody asked me. I didn't want to show up and like be the guy slinging socks, you know, out of his backpack. Um, yeah, which you know I might be guilty of doing a couple times after people <laughs> ask me for it, but um, but yeah, I. I really value personally I know Nick does too things that come very organically and, and naturally and so um, fortunately I had a really great group of friends who got behind it, started wearing it, started tagging, banned it um, and I, I think after the first like 30 40 days the first batch of a couple hundred pairs was gone um, and the story goes, I needed to make that money back place a new order took a couple months to get new inventory. I was sold out on the website. It pent up a bunch of demand. I actually didn't know it was penting up demand at the time, but I was building the Instagram around my friends and, um, community members that I thought were, you know, awesome and should have a spotlight on them. And, uh, and then, you know, a couple months later, I'm like, all right, let's find out if I either completely lost the audience in the past 60 days or um, the opposite. And I think I uploaded, you know, 400, 500 pairs to the site and they were gone in just a matter of minutes. Um, and that sequence of events kind of continued for the next year until uh, the scale got to a point where I, you know, kind of was like, all right, I think I think there's something bigger here. Uh, So a year after launch is when we decided, why don't we just quit our day jobs and try to do this for real and take this thing from sock brand to fully fledged apparel brand.
2: And that was in 21, 22?
4: That was in 21. So it started in 20, socks for a year. October, 2021, we quit our jobs, went full time and spent the next year sculpting our mission, vision, values, and uh, designing our first line, which came out a year later. uh, So October, 2022.
3: Yeah, we're only about 16 months, 15 months out from our first head to toe line. It it feels, a lot of people think that it's been around for a lot longer, but like in this official iteration where we have a team and more than just socks, it's like, we're just a year out of the gate.
2: And when did you uh, come up with that that logo, the Bandit logo? Because I feel like that, it's a nice logo, you know, there's something iconic about it, even though it's still early. Uh, when would that come?
4: So the first logo I paid $99 on, 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 uh, what was it? 99 designs. Uh, the first logo was, was, you know, not a great logo. I I love it. I have this, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, nobody knows that that exists anymore. Um, this one, we found an agency that Nick, um, I mean, you almost work with them at your, your last company, but, yeah. um, you could probably tell the story better
3: than I can. Yeah. I mean, I, I was working at this baby food company and I met with a host of different agencies and these guys pitched us and it was like just way too cool for a baby food company. And, and, uh, we love this agency now because the, their level of out of the box thinking is exactly what we connect to. Cause they put stuff in front of you where you're like, I've, I've never seen this before. Um, very serendipitously, so they're, they're also in Greenpoint. We continue to work with them uh, pretty closely. Our first meeting as, as a team, we hired our, our third co-founder, um, Artith, who's our chief design officer and our, our first hire outside of our co-founders is our head of community, which is a big bet because it's not the position that you think people would would immediately hire for, but us four first got together at that agency's office, which they have since moved out of, and we've moved into, and that's where our, our store is uh, in Greenpoint. Um, so they're, they're like a creative family to us. Um, we continue to work on projects with them.
4: Yeah, and the logo, they, they created the logo after a couple different rounds. Um, but when we first saw it, I remember, yeah, maybe you do, you were sitting right next to me and he just like slapped my leg and was like, there it is. That's the one. Cause we had seen five other logos before it. Um, and they ended up finessing it to a place where it is now. Um, but I just loved how it represented this. And we call it the current. We actually had a brainstorming session, whiteboarded a bunch of different names for it. And we like the current because it's, it kind of represents this different wavelength that we're all on as runners and uh it looks like it could be a track a trail a path a road um and it is kind of what you make it and it's all about your how you interpret it and what that what it means to you um but it means something about running to everyone uh which which we just loved um so yeah it's it's a great logo
2: so in, in that year basically from the socks to like actually saying hey we're going all in we're going to develop a full collection a full brand what 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 did the vision how did the vision evolve like what what was the idea of like what was going to make this brand unique
3: Yeah I, it was really taking what made the the brand special from day 1 which was like working with community members launching this really organically on mccarran park track only using community members as models doing our community spotlights the the fact that it was community first and it built organically really ended up tying into to how we wanted to scale the company from from that that first iteration to taking it to to hopefully being something much more impactful in the sport of running um and so the, the vision is to be the most community-obsessed brand in the world. And, and the, the mission really came about, as we learned more about the sport of running, like I said before, and, and, and understanding how athletes are supported and how brands show up at marathons and, and how people train, um, it felt like the sport across a bunch of different touch points was right for evolution. And so the mission is Evolve Running. And so the team here internally is is singularly mo- motive, motivated to make things fresh, new, and different, and and try to elevate the sport and and do better by the community overall. Um, it's been a really really powerful north star, and I'd like to say that it's our, our special sauce because when you have a group of people who really care about something and they have a really strong purpose, it it. It helps you overcome a lot of the challenges that you run into. It's building a brand from the start.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, I, feel like obviously you're wearing the, the New York. I think that's from the marathon shirt, um, right now, uh, for those that can't see, like there is something very New York about the brand or Brooklyn about the brand, um, how is that just, just naturally organically came through? Like, how did that come through?
4: It is very natural, um we had a conversation about it in the, during the branding exercise, but it, it was all like, we were kind of like, well, yeah, it's going to be very New York. Like it, it came second nature. Um, we're very proud to be from New York. You know, there's brands that really represent cities around the world, whether it's, you know, Portland or Eugene and Boston and, um, Nuremberg and you've got these great tentpole uh, organizations and and we feel like we it, we had an opportunity to sort of plant our flag and put New York City on the map from a running brand perspective. Um, and if you if I kind of zoom even further out, when I was starting the brand I just really didn't feel like anything felt super New York to me um, and I wanted products that really resonated with me. Um, I was seeing different brands around and it, it just felt incongruent with my own running experience and like how I went about things. And so, uh, in many ways it's the brand is merely a reflection of, of New York and, and a lot of the experiences that I know I I have and a lot of my friends in the community have.
2: Yeah. And what would you say? Like, I I know you're, you're often working on a creative, uh, with your chief uh, creative officer, design officer, like what is the aesthetic? Because um, I, I do feel like there's something about it that's quite differentiated. When you see someone, you know, in in a bandit outfit, you can like instantly recognize it. Like obviously the black, often it's dark. Uh, that's that to me sounds very New York. Uh, I mean, I, I want to hear it in your words, obviously.
4: Yeah, we've never we've never taken the time to put a name to our aesthetic, other than you know it feels very bandit. You know, we, when we are creating a new campaign we'll come up with an idea and we'll say, okay, how do we make it more bandit? How do we make it, whether it has like a, a, a dose of irreverence to it, which sometimes we we do, um, or how do we make it a little bit edgier or, or flip it on its head or fuck it up a little bit, right? Like there's always that, how do we make it more bandit, which in a lot of ways means like, how do we make it more New York? Um, they're kind of interchangeable. Um, it's funny. It's funny over the past, you know, 15, 16 months, we've been trying and experimenting with a lot of different aesthetics and ideas and different types of campaigns and content from things that may, might make you like feel something to things that will really hype you up to, you know, everything in between. Um, And we, I'm sure if you asked me a year ago, it might've been like, we gotta, we gotta really find our lane and, and stick to it. But, over time have really come to love our range uh, and it really keeps people on their toes and keeps me on my toes. And I think it makes it a little bit less predictable and more fun in a time where there's a lot of cookie cutter formulaic creative out there. And, uh, it's fun, uh, and fresh to, to just keep trying different things. And, um, and we know It's funny, we know what works the best, but we're not always gonna do that because we're not necessarily like optimizing for engagement. We're putting, and it sounds mean, but we kind of put the audience last. Um, It's really about like, what are we proud to be creating and making? And um, what do we think looks really cool? And ultimately we hope that lands with everyone. Uh, But if we're proud of it first and foremost, it's selfish, but it, it's really what matters most here.
2: I mean, one thing that's interesting um, from your early days doing the socks is I, I do find you guys have a unique like drop based strategy that, you know, is means like low quantities, right? Like there's like timely collections, things like tend to sell out. Uh, I know what you're gonna say, you're, you're gonna say it's not planned, it's all organic. But do you find that your your, your creative input and the way you sell the product are, are kind of aligned to create that?
3: Um, I think that like really great marketing that emotionally connects to people will hopefully create really great sell through with your products. Um, you're right in that, like, we don't like leaving money on the table. Um, on the early date in the early days it's really hard to balance supply and demand and forecast how big the audience is going to be, be and reconcile that against the inventory buy that you have to put in place six to nine months out from that actual drop and so it's for us we definitely wanted to be a little bit more conservative in this first year because we're working with basically zero data um, and so some of our products have lasted longer but it's a lot bigger risk for us to carry a lot of excess inventory. And this is like super businessy side of things. Um, the goal in 2024 is definitely to get better and have more product availability. Um, there is a reason why we have the membership and that early access is, is a thing. Um, and we want to create items that are special and are for the members because we know that, you know, the New Yorker specifically, they don't want to wear the thing that everybody has. um, and so I think that there's, you know, there's items that we want to have always available, but we also want to create special pieces that are going to say something about you. Um, so it's, it's, it's a balance and hopefully we get, we get better at balancing that supply and demand over time.
2: Yeah. And talking about the, cause I feel like your product and your community obviously are interlinked and you mentioned that a few times already in, in this chat. What does that mean for you to be like a community centric brand? Like, like, I think a lot of people are saying that nowadays, Um, but I feel like you embody it probably better than most. And so I'd love to hear your definition of that.
4: Yeah. I think a lot of different brands have their own form or definition of community bandit very much is a community of, of, of runners, um, who are all chasing different goals in running, whether that's to run your first marathon or to PR or to do something, you know, something or other in this in the sport. Um, so everybody's very like-minded in that way. Uh, and it's one of those things where we truly bring people together around these experiences with events. And so when we're inviting these folks into Uh, our pop-ups or on our shakeout runs or to an after party Um, it's really to build community and to invite the people who are wearing bandit and all have this like like like-minded approach to running and just bringing them together and, and talking and having a good time and it's I think people get really caught up in what that term means but if you just go back to like the fundamentals of community we're just bringing people together that are all trying to do the same thing in the sport and having a good time with it um which when you think of it that way it's not so serious it's just like a little bit more fun um and uh and yeah i, I don't know i think everybody has been is kind of ready and, and open to that type of community building uh, it's very unforced, which is nice. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, for for me, like the the community centric pieces, like, unless that's like the majority focus that you have from a marketing standpoint, you're not like a community first company. And the playbook that we first set out when we decided to quit our jobs was like, what are these brand marketing pillars and ways that we can serve the community and so we've got the marathon training program. We have the retail pop-up experiences. We've done relay races here in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Like our big bets are all about bringing people together. And so that's really the majority focus of of how we've gone to market and look to really elevate the running community and connect it globally. Um, I would say the best part of our jobs here is is like at these pop-ups, we're like, seeing the group of folks from, from Mexico city that we saw in Chicago, and then they're at our New York city marathon pop up. And so it, it really has become this like interconnected group of people. Um, and that's what community is to us. Again, to Tim's point, it's, it's like very tactically or not tactically, very organically, just doing things to bring people together and elevate the moments in their journeys.
2: And like, I know that you, you guys have done events, uh, around, you know, larger events, like the New York city marathon or Chicago marathon. What have you learned from like activating within some, like a space where there's already a lot of activations? I
4: think it's, mm, if you, if your filter is how is this going to elevate the runner's experience and it's all about serving them 110% about serving the runner um it's not um it's not super difficult to um be appreciated for that and and to to bring in community, I think we do a really good job of of capturing the vibes as well and the energy at our pop ups, and people can see that uh, we care a lot. Uh, when you show up to our shakeout or when you show up to our pop up or, or whatever it is, we do sweat the details in, in an excruciating way um, because we, when we go to a pop up, we are strictly serving the marathoner, and it's like as soon as they walk in through their through our doors, how are we greeting them? How are we making them feel? How are we serving them uh, right up until the moment they leave and beyond um, and making them feel? Um, and I think the fact that our whole internal team at HQ here works our events, we don't like have part-timers or, or whatever. Um, I think we're just able to offer A really, really special experience for people during like a moment that they often worked 16 weeks for on top of the rest of the things that they have going on in their life. Um, I've also learned that there's plenty of room for different types of experiences. Um, When you come to New York City Marathon, there's a million things going on and it's impossible to hit everything. Um, And there's kind of a place for everyone. or something to do for everyone so it's not like a a
2: zero-sum game yeah yeah i totally agree for that and that's part of the what's beautiful with the running community is that there's you know different brands different runners different style of runners um I, i something you said that i thought was quite interesting this idea of like elevating the runners experience which obviously is one of your your goals uh i know that you have a membership which you mentioned before um how does that fit into, you know, the, the elevation or maybe not just the runner experience, but even your customer, uh, experience.
3: Yeah. I mean, really early on when Tim was launching the socks, the, the repeat rates and the loyalty were, were really high and the goal with the membership is really like engineer, um, engineer a level of, uh, engineer a loyalty solution that basically makes the experience better for the customer who's choosing to purchase bandit over and over again. And so, you know, when you purchase the membership, it's, it's 125 bucks, um, sometimes on sale, 20% off at a hundred bucks and you get a $50 gift card, you get a $36 pair of exclusive member socks, a 10% standing discount and free shipping. And so like, before your second purchase, based on how big that first purchase is, you're like, you're already saving money and you're getting value. And so the goal was, all right, we've got these really loyal people. Let's create an offering for them that, again, evolves their experience as to how they interact and and purchase from a brand. Um, and that's where it was really born out of. And there's there's not like a huge blueprint for how this can work for an apparel brand. There's there's a couple of different shades of it out there. Um, but we really crafted our program here at HQ in the con- in the conference room, thinking about, all right, if if we were going to really like serve this this uh, really dedicated customer in an elevated way, how would we do that? I mean, and it it truly that all stemmed from
4: when we were relaunching. It was like, how do we how do we hook up the people that really helped get this brand off the ground in the very first year, which are about 175 of my friends um, and yeah. community members new york and those folks have a free membership for life um but we created it's like all right these bandit wouldn't exist without them they shouldn't pay for shipping let's give them a store discount uh let's give them early access to the drops it's like it's all designed around what would you give your friend um, yeah. and so we ended up um kind of scaling that out into a program that works for for everyone um, and we're really, really excited this year to be rolling out a suite of new benefits um, that serve the runner in ways that the membership has not yet served them. Um, I'll spoil, you know, one thing we're, we're going to be launching in, a, in about a month. So uh, you can have the exclusive on it, but we're going to be giving uh, 15% off of uh, Citizen M hotels um, with the membership and Citizen M has hotels mile or two from the start of a lot of different major marathons um and uh different halves around around the world so um we're really excited to be able to offer people a more affordable uh way to go to travel uh, to races which are already you know pretty pricey um so um as we look to grow the membership we're going to continue to add more and more benefits that serve the runner when and where they need to be served
2: yeah that that's super interesting and it's interesting you have this vision beyond like just apparel or the, the pieces you can buy uh, I, I did see that you guys announced uh, this thing called a program uh, I believe it's an app um, um, but I, I don't want to misquote I'd love to hear what that is all about and, and and like what first of all why you're doing it and what what is are the benefits uh, for runners
4: sure so the the program is a 14 week marathon training experience. It's in partnership with ASICS. Uh, they do a lot uh, to help us resource it and make it even more elevated. Um, <clears throat> and uh, we, we love them. They're great partners for the program. Uh, but what it is, is each week is a different theme uh, from getting to the starting line to, uh, you know visualizing your race. Um, each week is a different theme. The theme comes with guidance, so tips, on that theme across running strength nutrition mobility and recovery and uh, sports psychology we have an amazing sports psychologist that's been a a a majorly overlooked part of the sport for a long time and we love having that in there Um, and so the whole thing is you can sign up for free for the virtual program we also do an in-person program Uh, we've got about 100 people joining our spring program that's actually kicking off with orientation tonight at our HQ. Um, and for the in-person group, they really get uh, just, you know, very personalized coaching uh, and interaction with that staff. Um, and then the virtual group, <clears throat> it's all online. And we also, this year, we, uh, we're we coming out with an app. it will be on the app store on Monday. And it's a way for you to interact with your training plan. So, Each training plan is course specific and it maps back to your goal time and your weekly mileage. So we take a few different inputs. We say, we ask you what you're racing, what's your weekly mileage, and what's your goal time. And it generates a plan. Um, And that plan is 14 weeks, one week. It's really one day and one week at a time. So it, on the home screen, it tells you what you're, what you're doing today on the week screen. It's what you got that whole week and you can reorder the workouts to fit your schedule. You can also skip workouts. Um, And then the third screen is an integration with chat GPT. Uh, We're making a custom GPT uh, that's going to be the foremost expert uh, AI chat on marathon training in the world. Um, So we've been uh, working on that and you can, on Monday, you'll be able to ask uh, we call, we call it coach. You'll be able to ask coach questions about fundamental marathon training. If you try to ask it something outside of marathon training, it's going to say, sorry. Uh, hopefully, hopefully. Um, and then, (laughs) uh, the final is your, is your profile and your paces. So a workout might call for, uh, you know, 10 by 800 at interval one pace down to interval two pace. You go to over to your profile, you can see what your paces are. And those are all, Uh, generated from a proprietary formula that we came up with uh, based on your weekly mileage and your goal time. Um, You can complete workouts, you can skip them. Uh, It's just a lot better than printing out a PDF and kind of, you know, drawing on it, which up now was, was basically what you had to do with uh, the program. So we're, we're excited to kind of bring it into the next generation. And, and I, you know, that's what I did before, bandit I, I built apps for a career so it's a passion of mine um and i'm excited to to evolve it and iterate on it for the next uh foreseeable future
2: that's amazing I mean, that's very exciting i'm sure you know our listeners will will love to discover the app by the time this releases it would already be out so i would say just go and download it and try it out uh we have about 10 minutes left and i wanted to just pick you guys' brain just on the state of running a little bit uh before we close um, with covid you know in the pandemic obviously there's a whole new crop of runners and it's clear that you know running is is i don't know if it's back but it's, it's you know it's quite popular at the moment what are you are you seeing differently between like the all the new runners versus like the previous generation or, or are you seeing any difference at all actually would be another question
4: i I don't know that, you know, the previous generation of, of runners fluently, but what I can tell you is unique about, about this generation is, uh, their enthusiasm for community, I think is like next level. Um, they're, I mean, obviously Instagram and run talk are now like they like run talk is a term like let's <laughs> let's just start there you know it's these are things that didn't exist um 10 years ago um what's interesting about being in our office here where we have a few you know ex-college runners and people who have been in the sport for 30 years um is the the gap in knowledge about professional running like I come from a soccer background that's what I grew up playing. I didn't play with people who didn't know what was going on in the in the premier League and and all the leagues around the world and all the teams and all the players like here you go out for a community round like people don't know who who Kelvin Kiptum is right like people don't know Safansan yet necessarily and so there's there is a really interesting gap and what I found. Uh, is really, really exciting is when when they learn about these things, they get more invested in the sport and they start to really love it. Um, But it's definitely a unique thing about running. There is a a little bit of a gap there. I don't know if the same exists with like the NBA, you know, or other sports. Um, But we try to bridge some of those connections a little bit. You know, we toss around the word pro-am Uh, here we do a lot of coverage of like, we will show like the leaders of the pack at different races. We did a great partnership with Sidious Mag for Chicago, uh, where they were live streaming, uh, the race. Um, and we found that when we make those connections, it, it gets people a little bit more like invested in the sport, which I think is great.
2: Yeah. One aspect that, that I've noticed also that, that came with that is in the last like five, six years, even before the pandemic there's a whole crop also of new running brands, um, not, not just in running, like cycling as well and other areas. Are there any specific characteristics about this new crop uh, that you've identified?
3: Of the new crop of running, I, there's there are definitely, I would say, uh, there's, there's a bunch of brands that care about community and that that's really great. Um, and so I think that that community focus instead of the focus on that individual endeavor is yeah. a really great connective tissue a- across a lot of the brands, not all of them. Some of them are, you know, doing the like high fashion thing and they don't really like integrate themselves into the community, which is just a, a different strategy and a, a way to approach the way that you insp- inspire people. Um, I do think a lot of the the new brands are trying to, to shake up the way that people perceive the sport. Um, not necessarily only looking at the heritage of the sport, but trying to look at what the future of the sport looks like. Um, so yeah, I, I would, we're not like the best to ask that question because Tim and I always, we believe in being in a vacuum much more than like looking left and right and, and trying to navigate how to be different. Um, I think there is a, a purity to have having some sense of blinders on and, and trying to do your own thing. Um, though, obviously we're in the running industry and we see things that, that inspire us all the time. And, and that's, that's great too.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, characteristic. Yeah. I agree with Nick. I, I really don't pay that close attention to other brands. I, you know, I am seeing, and I don't know if it's with the new crop or the existing crop, sometimes both, but like the creative is definitely getting better. Like if you ask me, you know, when Bandit first started, I've been like one of the one of the blank space opportunities in this market is the creative is crap. And like we got yeah. we're gonna make some amazing things. And now I've definitely noticed some cool campaigns and 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 interesting aesthetics. And it's good for the sport, pushes things forward, it gets more eyeballs on it, increases participation. So, you know, that's definitely one thing that I've noticed is people people are a little bit more fluent um with instagram and creative yeah i mean, yeah, if you I come
2: mean to, yeah go for it well i was just gonna add two observations and, and we're running out of time but I'm, I'm gonna just add two observations i think one is like the direct relationship with the customer and i think that feeds into the community aspect right the fact that like you can speak directly through a customer versus through like you know a wholesale chain i think that changes it but like the point that you guys mentioned at the beginning is i'm meeting a lot of people in the running space that Used to be into like surfing or like skateboarding or like, um, or like rock and roll or like things that like you wouldn't associate with running, and that's bringing a lot of new ideas and diversity to a certain extent into the space, also.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's the sport with the lowest barrier to entry and one where you can immediately improve your life just by putting on a pair of shoes and opening your door, and that's a really beautiful thing about the sport.
2: Yeah, yeah. that's amazing.
4: One of our first ambassadors uh, was Chef James Kent, legendary New York City chef, graffiti artist, sneaker collector, a great kind of intersection of everything that we're interested in and appreciate. Um, And uh, he's not your typical runner. I think he'd be the first to tell you that. Um, And and folks like that, like Nick and I, have just naturally gravitated towards and want involved and want behind the brand because... yeah, I think it just inspires more participation and, and it tells a more unique story, um, that people can relate to.
2: All right. We got five minutes left. Um, I always like to finish with a round of rapid fire questions. Uh, you guys can both answer if you'd like, uh, it's going to be short answers, so we just get started, uh, since we don't have a lot of time. Uh, what's your favorite running club in New York? Can you even say that? Are you allowed to say that?
4: (laughs) Greenpoint runners. It's a, uh, am I allowed to explore? What, what are the rules of the the turbo round? I think uh, Greenpoint Runners is a club that we started out of our store. Rather than making it like a bandit run club, we made it about the neighborhood. Uh, it's super wholesome vibes. There's dogs, there's strollers. Um, my second favorite would be Brooklyn Track Club um, because those are the homies. But yeah, I hopefully I didn't, uh, you know, <laughs> I could rattle off all the ones that I love, but they know who they are
2: that's awesome what what's a great podcast or book on running
3: the Murakami book is really good super poetic um yeah that was gonna be my, my answer yeah I would say that one I mean born to run was like the first one where like as I was reading it I was like wow that this can really like do something for like my my mental health and like get me to the next level as to who I am as a human. I know that that's a super generic answer, but I was reading it when it was like, you know, the hottest book in the world at the moment. And, uh, that one really inspired me.
2: Mm -hmm. What's a product that you guys released in the last two years that you would say is like top, like your favorite bandit product.
4: I firmly believe our half tights are the best half tights in the world. Um, I think that the people who own them, most of them would agree. Um, we can't keep them in stock um and it's a product that i almost killed when it was brought in the very beginning because i didn't wear half tights and i was like i don't know if i could see myself wearing these and then i put on the fabric and and went for a run and the functionality is unmatched and i've never gone back
3: yeah i would agree i have a tiny home gym in my basement my wife asks me why i'm always wearing half tights like indoor cycling and, and lifting and running on a treadmill as if I'm like going out for a pro run or something, but <laughs> put them on. is like a second skin and like shorts are like an obstruction after you've worn the half tights. <laughs> yeah.
2: If you could be the CEO of any sports brand, which one would it be?
4: I know what yours would be. Would you, no, maybe you wouldn't. What, what would it be for me? Well, I know you
3: love Dana in the UFC. Yeah. I, know. I don't. I don't it, Whenever I think about like, if I could be the CEO of a company, it wouldn't be in the sports world. Um, I, my favorite brands are portion like a, and, and I've always like loved them. I have the magazine B if nobody's familiar with that, it's a Korean magazine that, that like goes really deep on brands. And like those stories have always just like, they're just magical to me. I love how they've created timeless brands
4: and I would never be a CEO. So that question
2: doesn't work, <laughs> Not doesn't well work. in this case. Yeah. Um, final question, where, where do you guys hope to brand to be in like a couple of years from now, let's say like five years from today.
4: I think leading, like leading the way on evolving the sport. Um, if we always say that like our mission is forever and our vision is, is accomplishable and we want to be the most community centered running apparel brand. Um. And I think we can do that in the next five years by just continuing to do the things that we're already doing. And if we grow and can scale that out, um, we will be leading the way on on community and how to do it best and how to bring people together and how to elevate their experience. Uh, But we'll never stop trying to work to evolve running. That's great.
2: Can't (laughs) say better than that. I really appreciate you guys taking the time and uh, excited to follow what the brand goes.
4: Awesome. Thanks so much, Ethan. Thank you. Thanks.